It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast, city to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome into the Ryan Hickey Show right here. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, a very early, I don't know about, I guess, very, but an early Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of those who are who are joining us here on Thursday morning. We appreciate your support as always. I hope you have a tremendous holiday season, whether you're celebrating Christmas or not. Hopefully the holidays, this is the best time of the year for sure, and hopefully it is for you as well. A loaded show on this Thursday as we get you set for week 16 of the NFL to commence. One hour from now, as you do on every single Thursday, Hickey's Pickies. I'm very excited for our special guest. He is a man who normally does not listen to the show, not for any fault of his own, but in part because when we are on, it is three in the morning, usually his time. That is my friend, Dan. Big time. Uh, well, not big time, but just a, a Hawaii native coming back to the States. And so a rare trip to the East Coast means we got to get him on Hickey's Pickies and he will be live with us. In an hour, we'll get his thoughts. Big time Vikings fan. We'll see if they can pull through and make the playoffs and also get five big picks here for week 16. So very excited for that. 20 minutes from now, Santa, as we know, is giving out gifts in a few a few days. Are you on the nice list or are you on the naughty list? Well, that applies to NFL teams because we have right now with three games left, right? A bunch of teams on the fringe of the playoffs. Which teams will be on the nice list, a.k.a. make the playoffs, and which teams are on the naughty list and will miss out on NFL postseason football? We got seven teams. I'll tell you who's in, who's out 20 minutes from now, right here on the Ryan Hickey Show. So a lot to get into between now and 11 a.m. Eastern. We are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Now, whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So let's get started with this. Unofficially, I think two divisions will be won on Sunday. I think the AFC East will be decided. I think the AFC North will be decided. Patriots-Bills playing the winner of that game will win the AFC East, even though officially the winner will not clinch on Sunday. I think the Patriots are going to win that game. I think they are going to win the AFC East. I think for the Ravens-Bengals game, a big pivotal matchup in the AFC North. Now, in the AFC North, every single team... Um, is alive, and every single team is basically within a game of each other. And the Ravens and Bengals, 8-6. and six. The Steelers, 7-6-1. Seven, the Browns, 7-7. Seven, and seven. So any team still can win the division. I do think, though, the AFC North is going to come down to the Ravens and the Bengals. And I do think the Bengals win this weekend. They will win the division. So I think the Patriots are winning the AFC East. I think the Bengals are winning the AFC North. And I think both of those divisions will be won on Sunday. So let's dive into the first matchup here, Patriots-Bills. The reason why I'm picking the Patriots, to be honest, it's a simple answer. I think the Patriots are the better team. They play clean, crisp football. They are balanced. That's the big word here that's, for me, that's the difference. Balanced. The Patriots are, the Bills are not. You look at how the Bills have played this year. You look at the Bills um, and their recipe for success. It's only one guy. It's Josh Allen. 
Their hopes and prayers of winning a game, winning a division, winning the playoffs, winning the Super Bowl is fully contingent on how Josh Allen plays. They are fully reliant on their franchise quarterback, which I get. Look, I'm not trying to say that the quarterback position is not important. Obviously, it is. And the quarterback has obviously the most, um, in terms of one person, the biggest out, uh, impact on the outcome one way or another. Right? Usually, when quarterbacks play bad, most of the time your teams are not going to win. Vice versa, when they play really well, it's hard for teams to lose those games. With that said, the Bills, though, can't do anything else. They are extremely reliant on Josh Allen, and that's not exactly a recipe for success when it comes to making the playoffs, winning playoff games, making the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Because you know what else the Bills can't do? They cannot run the ball. Their run game is non-existent. And their defense, they're the biggest frauds in the NFL. The defensive unit for Buffalo, there is no bigger fraud unit-wise than the Buffalo Bills defense. Let's look why. Statistically, if you go to whatever website you want, you want to look at raw numbers. Statistically, the Bills are supposed to be the number one defense in the NFL, allowing just 289 yards uh, per game, allowing just 17.4 points per game, which is second in the NFL. They are supposed to have one of the best defenses in all the league. Here's the thing, though. Here's the reality. They have had those numbers because they have feasted on bad teams. They have, you know, gone to town on the Jets and the Dolphins and the Washington football team when they're struggling and the Texans. They have beaten and their defense has dominated bad teams. When it comes, though, to playing competent offenses, playoff caliber offenses, this defense has been horrendous. They were shredded for 41 points at home to the Colts about a month ago. And that was when Jonathan Taylor totaled 200 total yards, five touchdowns against supposedly the number one defense in the NFL. Five touchdowns, 200 yards of total offense to Jonathan Taylor, 41 points allowed at home to the Colts. That's not the, uh, the signs of a number one defense. Against the Patriots a few weeks later. That Monday night game in the wind. The Patriots ran the ball on 46 of 49 plays. They told you what was coming. We're not throwing the ball. We're going to run it. They still shredded the Bills defense for 222 rushing yards. 222 when you knew what was coming. The Patriots said we're lining up. We're not throwing the ball. Stop us. And the Bills defense could not stop them. They lost the game, allowed 200 and 22 rushing yards. So even when the Bills defense, that supposedly, again, is supposed to be the top unit in, in the NFL defensively, even though, even, even when, I should say, they knew what was coming, still couldn't stop it. Played the Bucks a few weeks ago. Tom Brady, 363 passing yards, three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, 113 rushing yards. They let him up on the ground, in the air. Again, any time the Bills play a playoff caliber team, a playoff caliber offense, they fold like a cheap tent. They are nowhere to be found. They cannot play good against competent offenses. So even heading into this game, the rematch in Foxborough now, Patriots-Bills, do you? I'll ask you this question. Do you faith the, page, uh, the Bills defense is going to be able to stop their run game in New England enough to make Mac Jones try to beat him, kind of in the way the Colts were able to do last week? I don't. I absolutely don't. 
I don't see what's changing for Buffalo all of a sudden this week compared to a few weeks ago. I don't think this defense is going to get many stops. Which is why I'm picking the Patriots to win this game and I'm picking the Patriots to win the NFC, uh, the AFC East. But that just goes back to the main point of the Bills relying fully on Josh Allen to win. The only way Buffalo wins is if Josh Allen plays well and carries them. The Buccaneers game I just mentioned was a perfect example. They were dead in the water in the first half of that game. They're down 24-3 at half. Why? Because Josh Allen didn't play well. If he's not playing well, there's no run game to bail him out, and the defense isn't going to be playing better. The defense you can't really rely on. Now, the second half, what happened? Josh Allen came alive and almost willed his team to victory. They are, it's Josh Allen or bust. It's basically the Buffalo Josh Allens. Forget the Buffalo Bills. It's the Buffalo Josh Allens. So now you're going to ask your quarterback who has had a down year in 2021 already compared to what he did last year in 2020. Now you're going to ask him to win you a game on the road in Foxborough against a Patriots defense that is one of the best in the NFL, legitimately. Number three in total defense. Number one scoring defense in the NFL, allowing just 16.2 points per game. And they have one of the best pass defenses in all of the league. They've gotten a ton of picks. They've forced a lot of turnovers. So do you really think, do you really trust Josh Allen going to this game without now, by the way, shorthanded because Cole Beasley will be out for this game. So the second leading receiver for the Bills in terms of both receptions and yards, not playing. Big time security blanket, not going to be available for Buffalo. So now it just makes Josh Allen's job even harder. Without a run game to rely on, without a defense that can truly and consistently get stops to give you a chance. I don't see how the Bills win this game. I think the Patriots do win. I think that win, they sweep the season series. That leads them to winning the AFC East. So the AFC East comes down to this game, Buffalo's uh, Buffalo and New England. New England wins. They win the division. AFC North. I think the Bengals win this game against the Ravens, and I do think they win the AFC North division for two reasons, talent and health. Let's go back. Week 7, right? This Bengals team on the road in Baltimore absolutely took it to the Ravens. One of the most surprising games of the year. Blew them out, 41-17. Absolutely just smoked Baltimore. And I think they'll maybe not smoke them again. I don't think I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sit here and say 41-17 again this week. But I do think the Bengals are going to win because it goes back to what we said before. They are the healthier team. Lamar Jackson's status is questionable for Sunday. There's really no update on his ankle so far after he hurt against the Browns two weeks ago. He missed last week's game against the Packers, which Tyler Huntley did fill in admirably. Right, He did play really well and almost lead him to victory. But your MVP quarterback could miss his second straight game. Now you're on the road, and you're also your secondary for Baltimore has been decimated with injuries all season long. I know the Mullen Humphrey injury happened a few weeks ago, but still now when you're going against a, a potent passing offense, that's where those injuries really do come back to bite you. Because for Baltimore's credit, they've been injured all season long. It's not like all of a sudden they had a rash of injuries the last two weeks, and now they're trying to deal with it. Since the preseason, right, when they're running backs, all three of their top three running backs out for the year in training camp. Marcus Peters, one of their best uh, corners, out for the year in training camp. And they've sustained injuries throughout the year. Ronnie Stanley, unable to, you know, truly return back to form. He's out for the rest of the season. O-line took a big hit. You know, they've had injuries on all, basically every position this season. They've been dealing with it. So this is not new for Baltimore, but I do think this is kind of when it starts to come back to bite them. It really now comes back to rear its ugly head and start paying dividends in the wrong way 
for Baltimore. Because then you, when you look on the other side of the field for Cincinnati, right now the Bengals are the healthiest team in the AFC North. Right? Joe Burrow's playing some really good football. You have, you know, Jamar Chase has been a stud. You've had T. Higgins. You have Tyler Boyd. Those receivers are healthy and ready to go. Joe Mixon, even though he hurt his ankle last week against Denver, is progressing, looks to be on the right track, maybe even could play on Sunday. And you look on the other side of the ball defensively, since he's been really solid. They've been tremendous against the run all season long. The Trey Hendrickson, a, a great for signing, has been a force all season long. 13 sacks on the season for Trey Hendrickson. Um, so this, to me, this game has a, a big-time Cincinnati win written all over it. And I will say, I think last week's win at Denver is an important one for, for the Bengals. And an impressive one to me. I get that the Broncos, there's really not a lot to be impressed about in beating a, you know, a Broncos team that has overachieved at 7-7, seven and seven, but is really not a true threat to the playoffs when you look at them. But still, they won a game 15-10 in which it was a very physical battle in which Joe Burrow did not play very well. The run game led by Joe Mixon did not run the ball uh, effectively really at all. They were still able to find a way to win, to grind it out. And for a young team, I think that's really important. For a team that's trying to find its way, to try to learn how to win, I think kind of winning an ugly, physical, grueling battle is something to kind of hang your hat on and be impressed about. I think they will carry that over into this week and beat the Ravens. And when you look at the rest of, of the AFC North, right, the reason why, to me, the division comes down to this game and these two teams between the Ravens and the, uh, the Bengals is because the Steelers, I know they're 7-6-1. I know they're technically right there on the, you know, the precipice of the playoffs and right there on the cusp of the division. They're not a very good team. I don't have to tell you that. You, I think you know that. I don't think many people are believing in the Steelers. So even though they're 7-6-1, I'm not believing that they are going to... Um, making a noise, not to mention they have a very tough schedule down the stretch. And the Browns, to me, are too beat up. 7-7, seven and seven, obviously, you know, they're getting some players back uh, from the COVID list, but Baker's banged up. A few other key injuries. COVID, obviously, has, has ravaged the, the roster as well. I think just the Browns right now, at this point, too banged up to be legitimate players in the uh, AFC North race. So I think, to me, it comes down to the Bengals and the Ravens. I think the Bengals win this game, sweep the season series. They go on to win the AFC North. I think the Patriots, same thing. They beat the Bills at home on Sunday. They sweep the season series with the Bills, and the Patriots win the AFC East. So I'm curious your thoughts here. As we get set and ready to go for Week 16, two big-time divisional matchups that I do think will determine the winners of the AFC East and the AFC North. I have the Patriots and the Bengals winning. How about you? Who is winning the AFC North? Who is winning the AFC East? Love to get your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter. WWSRN underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We'll get your thoughts when we do return here. It is Christmas time, which means Santa's getting ready to go around. He's seeing who's on the naughty list. He's seeing who's on the nice list. We got seven playoff teams or potential playoff teams in the NFL. Some in the AFC, some in the NFC. Who's going to be on the nice list and make the playoffs? Who's going to be on the naughty list and miss out? Be at home. In mid-January, watching the playoffs from their couch. I'll tell you who's in and who's out for some fringe playoff contenders when you do return. It's the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here, where else? The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is Christmas time rapidly approaching right here. So I figure why not we put Santa to work a, a little bit earlier, right? Because now it's always around this time. Have you been good? Have you been on the nice list? Maybe get some gifts. Have you been on the naughty list and maybe getting a nice lump of coal in your stocking in a few days? So what if we take that concept and translate it to the NFL? Which teams now? We just have three games left, right? Three weeks left in the regular season, so not a lot of work, not a lot of time remaining for teams to make a run to the playoffs. We have a ton of fringe playoff teams. Who is going to be on the nice list, a.k.a. making the playoffs? Who is going to be on the naughty list, get a nice lump of coal and miss out on the postseason? And there's seven teams right now that could go either way. The Chargers, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Bills, Saints, Eagles, Vikings. All those teams right on the cusp of either making the playoffs or missing out. So who is going to be in? Who is going to be out? The Chargers, let's start with, with LA. They, to me, are on the nice list. I think they are going to make the playoffs in part because their schedule is too easy for them to miss out. For them to go 0-3 or 1-2 and, and really just totally tank the end of the season here. Their final three games are this. At the Texans. Home against the Broncos. At the Raiders. That is bare minimum 2-1. and one. For a playoff team that should really kind of come through, they should go 3-0. Texans, Broncos, Raiders. So at 8-6, and six, you go 2-1 and one at bare minimum. That gets you to 10 wins. 10 and, 10 and 7 to me is the magic number to getting in the playoffs in the AFC to get a wild card berth. So that to me, I think the Chargers will get there. It's, it, like I said, those three teams you're finishing up against, it's too easy for you to miss out on the postseason. Now I will say, the Chargers and the Bills to me are very similar in the fact that they are solely reliant on their quarterback to win them games. They can't rely on the run game. The defenses for both teams are, are very shaky. So LA, I do get worried about their playoff viability in terms of them winning a playoff game and being dangerous contenders. But just to get to the postseason, I do think they will get the job done. They will get in and have Justin Herbert make his first appearance in the playoffs. The Chargers on the nice list. The Bengals, in case you just missed it, I do think the Bengals are on the nice list. Forget about wild card. I think they're going to win the division. I am high on this bang, uh, the Bengals team. I think they will beat the Ravens on Sunday, whether Lamar Jackson plays or not. I think that will lead them to win the AFC North. So even though you look, they have a challenging schedule, right? They have the Ravens, a tough divisional, uh, tough divisional game. They still take on the Chiefs and the Browns. I think this is another team that's going to go 10-7, and seven, but 10-7 and seven is not going to just be good enough to get the wild card, be good enough to get the division. We talked about it before. They are the healthiest team in the AFC North. Right? The, uh, the, the Ravens, as we know, they've been just decimated all season long. The Browns are dealing with, with COVID and other injuries. And the Steelers, they've had some injury concerns, but also just not very talented. So the, right now, the Bengals are the one team that's still healthy, right? Joe Burrow's out there. You have all their great receivers. I know Joe Mixon hurt his ankle, but it seems to be progressing enough to where even if he doesn't play on Sunday, it still shouldn't be an injury that limits him, let's say, the rest of the regular season where he'll be out or, or basically not be himself. He should be back and still be able to run the ball effectively, whether it's this week or whether it's next week. So that's, you know, that should, that's a, a big boost for Cincinnati because they are reliant on the run game. So I think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. They're on the nice list for the first time since 2015. And I do think they are legitimately in a position to win a playoff game. They have not won one in my lifetime. 
being born in 1994. The last playoff one was 1990, at least the 1990 season, 1991 technically. But I do think right now that the Bengals are trending in the right direction. The I'm telling you, the win last week, it's it's not a win 15 to 10 over the Broncos where everyone was saying, wow, that's an impressive win. I get that. The Broncos are not a very good team. It was an ugly, physical, low-scoring game. I get there's not a lot to take away from that. But I do think winning ugly is important for a team in the Bengals situation where they're young and trying to learn how to kind of take that next step and win when they don't have their A game. Joe Burrow did not play well. The run game did not play well. They were still able to beat an above 500 team at the time in the Broncos who were 7-6. and six. That to me is impressive. Bengals making the playoffs. They're on the nice list, also winning the division. How about the Ravens? Listen, I, I think that Baltimore is going to lose this week. I think they're going to on the naughty list. Forget just this week. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I think the Ravens are going to be at home with a nice lump of coal in their stocking. Uh, and I think that's going to be the case for two reasons. Injuries and their schedule. Uh, we just mentioned before, they have been decimated all year long by injuries. The latest now is the Lamar Jackson ankle injury. He missed last week's game against the Packers. It seems and appears on Thursday morning, when the game's on Sunday, so there's still time, but it appears so far like Lamar Jackson will not play on Sunday. John Harbaugh did not have any different update yesterday when we're talking to the media about Lamar's ankle injury. It doesn't seem like he's progressing, getting any better. So it appears that Tyler Huntley is going to be on track to start another game for the Ravens. Your old line's been hurt. Your secondary position now going against a, a pass, prolific passing team, we'll say, in Cincinnati with so many different weapons to beat you. That really, I think that the secondary injuries are going to really come back to bite them this week, especially against the Bengals. But it's also not just the injuries that Baltimore is dealing with, where I finally do think they'll kind of catch up to them. They've been able to be resilient all the season long. I think, though, that does, at the end, you have a, a price to pay. I think this is the price you pay at these final three games because you're playing the Bengals on the road, tough divisional game. I told you, I think Cincinnati is going to win and win that division. But then you don't get any breaks. Your last two games are at home against the Rams and the Steelers. Where, sure, I don't think the Steelers are very good, but they already beat you once. And that's a tough divisional game. That could be a, a win-in-your-in kind of game. We'll see what the health of Lamar is by that point. But that's a tough, tough finish. At the Bengals, home against the Rams, home against the Steelers. And they're going 1-2 and two in that stretch. And 9-8, and eight, to me, is not going to be enough to win the division or make the wild card. Ravens, I do think, are on the naughty list because they are going to be on the outside looking in. They'll be home this postseason and missing the playoffs. The Bills, they're on the nice list, but they are barely on the nice list. I am not a believer in Buffalo, but look, their schedule is too easy to where they're going to miss out. They're playing the Patriots this week, a game I think that New England will win at home, and with that game, lock up the AFC East. So if you lose this game, which I think Buffalo will, the Bills will be 8-7. and seven. But they either, their final two games are against the Falcons and the Jets. Falcons and the Jets. I mean, that's enough to make the playoffs. You're going to, you know, you're going to get to 10 wins again. 10 wins in the AFC is a magic number. The Bills could be probably be the 7th seed, 6th or the 7th seed, which their path is going to be very tough to, you know, get a deep run. The AFC is wide open, I will say. But the Bills right now, just I feel like, are not playing very good football. They are a team that can beat up on the bad teams. It really has not been a good team. Like, their best win this year is the Chiefs. On the road, Sunday Night Football, early in the year, that was also, when we realistically look at it, 
That was the worst the Chiefs have been all season long. Their defense was totally out of whack, and they were still historically bad at that point. And offensively, Patrick Holmes was lost and couldn't figure it out. So now the Chiefs now, today in December, are a totally different team than what they were two or three months ago in September when these two teams played. So even though the Chiefs went on paper looks good, eh, okay, the Chiefs were at their lowest point of the season, arguably, or trending even lower. Um, so when you look at that, outside of that, the Bills are really not beating anyone. Lost to the Buccaneers. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Patriots. Like any playoff caliber team they played, they have lost to. I'm not really feeling bullish on the Bills, but like I said, schedule does throw them a bone here. Falcons, Jets, the final two games of the season. That's enough to get to 10 wins. 10 wins get you in. The Bills on the nice list. They will be in the postseason this year. How about the Saints? Oh, this might be the toughest one for me. I have put the Saints on the nice list. Now, I will say this. Taysom Hill, a quarterback, that concept, that idea should be the naughty list. Give, give Taysom Hill, give Sean Payton all the coal in the world for that idea and having him run out there and think he's the best option to be the starting quarterback for this team. Taysom Hill as a quarterback is not good. He cannot carry them. He's not anywhere near competent. We saw the latest example on Sunday night, that ugly 9-0 win. Now, sure, they won the game. Uh, New Orleans did. Their defense put Tom Brady in the blender. But when it comes to Taysom Hill, I do not feel good about him at quarterback. With that said, though, their defense is, to me, is talented and their coaching is good enough to overcome the lack of good quarterback play and get the Saints in the playoffs. They're 7-7 seven and seven right now. And like I just said, we saw it on Sunday night. This team is good enough to rely on their defense and that's really it, to win games here down the stretch. I think that's going to be very important. Alvin Kamara is obviously back now and healthy, so that really alleviates a lot of pressure off of Taysom Hill and really gets the run game going. And in the NFC, whether it's you look at the teams competing for that final berth, right? Because I think that's really where it comes down to. I think the first six teams in the uh, NFC are set. Cowboys in no order. Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, Packers, and the... Buccaneers and the uh, the 49ers. So those teams are guaranteed to be in the playoffs. So now it comes down to that final spot. Who's fighting for that final spot? Well, it's between the Saints, the Eagles, the Vikings. I'll still include the Washington football team in this conversation, even though they're not on the naughty nice list. But, you know, a big-time loss on Tuesday really did hurt their chances. But you look at those four teams, I think the Saints have the most talent. I do. I know the Vikings have some nice names on paper. I think the Saints overall, 1-53 through 53 are more talented. I trust their coach a lot more and Sean Payton than any of those other teams. So I do think now when you look at the final three games for the Saints, Dolphins who are red hot, Panthers who can't find a quarterback, and the Falcons, I do think the Saints here will go at least 2-1, and one, find their way to get in the postseason, and lock in that seventh and final playoff berth. So for me, the, the Saints, even though Taysom Hill is on the naughty list himself, I would put the Saints on the nicest as a team and have them get into the playoffs, which means the Eagles, great win on Tuesday. A lot of momentum recently. They've really turned around their play. They, to me, are on the naughty list. Now, Jalen Hurts has really turned his game around, in part because the rushing attack has really been prolific. We'll get to that here in a second. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more in the next segment. But really, we've seen a, a basically a two different Eagles teams. The first seven games of the year, pass-happy, the second half of the year has been run-happy. The run-happy Eagles have been a lot better, a, the best version of themselves, than the first half of the year. So they have really turned around. With that said, though, I still can't trust them fully. 
down the stretch, big three games, I can't trust them to win some of these games they're supposed to win and make a platform. Like they've, they've had a bad loss, a really bad loss to the Giants a few weeks ago where Jalen Hurts was just absolutely awful. I don't trust that they will be able to go down to Washington and sweep the season series in the Washington football team. They beat them when they had COVID uh, on Tuesday night. They are The football team is getting healthier. And I still think they're a, you know, a viable playoff team. So I think that game is going to mean a lot. And I think the football team will come out and get some revenge in a few weeks. I don't think they're going to beat the Cowboys um, when they play in a few weeks either. So I just can't sit here and feel truly good about the Eagles. They've had a tremendous season. 7-7, seven and seven, even the factor in the playoff hunt and in the conversation, I think is, you know, surprising. And I would say a win for the season already, considering at least the expectations I had for them coming into the season. But with that said, I do think when push comes to shove, they'll be on the outside looking in of the playoffs, which means they are on the naughty list. And finally, the Minnesota Vikings. They're on the naughty list. To me, those two wins they have gotten now in a row over the Steelers, over the Bears, both primetime games, right? That Thursday night game, that ugly Thursday night game against the Steelers, which they almost blew a 29-0 lead. And then somehow... An even uglier game against the Bears on Monday Night Football last week. Those two wins in a row honestly don't do really anything for me for Minnesota. I still think they're total frauds. I'm not trusting Kirk Cousins to get it done in a big spot. I don't have any faith, even though the schedule is manageable, that he will play well in a big moment. We have seen it before. His first year in Minnesota, it's a win-and-you're-in game against the Bears. Now, the Bears, this is the best Bears team they've had in Matt Nagy's era. This is Mitch Trubisky's rookie year. They've already clinched a division. The Bears did there. They rested a ton of players. The Vikings still lost at home, needing to win against a team that is already in the playoffs and is resting a few key players, and the Vikings lost. I can't trust Kirk Cousins and the rest of this team now down the stretch, big three games where they got to go at least two and one to get the job done to win the big game. Even though Kirk at times has been clutch this year, I'm still not buying and I'm still not trusting him. So I think the, the Vikings are on the naughty list here. So I'm curious your thoughts. Seven teams right, right on that postseason fringe of possibly being in, possibly being out. Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Bills, Saints, Eagles, Vikings. Who is on the naughty list? Who is on the nice list? Who's making the playoffs? Who is not? Love to hear your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. Hickey's Pickies in 20 minutes from now, but in, when we do return, a few minutes right here on the Worldwide Sports Network, I want to dive into the Eagles because Nick Sirianni has really turned this season around by doing one thing. There's one common characteristic we've seen a lot of failing coaches that we rarely see them fix like the way Nick Sirianni has fixed. I'll tell you what that is when we do return. It's the Ryan Hickey Show right here. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan to Hickey, Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 15 minutes from now, Hickey's Pickies of my guy, Dan Biancoli. The, I guess the author, the creator of 
a fake Ryan Hickey show account that does love uh, putting out some um, some trolling tweets. So if you've seen the Ryan Hickey show Mongo account, well, that is the author of that, the creator of that, will be on here in 15 minutes or so from now to give us some of his picks. Big time Vikings fan. We'll see if he's a believer in Kirk Cousins in Minnesota making a big time playoff push. Dan Bianchi, 15 minutes from now in week 16 of Hickey's Pickies. But I do want to kind of, before we get there, talk about Nick Sirianni and talk about the Eagles turnaround. Because it's been a tremendous so, uh, so far turnaround for Philly. Right? Like I said, the fact that we're even talking about them uh, possibly making the playoffs is insanely impressive. And it's been for one reason. Nick Sirianni's adaptability. His, uh, his ability to adapt his play calling, his philosophy on offense has been the biggest reason why the Eagles have turned around from a 2-5 and five team to a 7-7 seven and seven team. He has made the move. He has made the transition. And it's the biggest reason. Adaptability is the biggest reason why the Eagles, like I said, are right there on the fringe of the, of the playoffs. Look at the first seven weeks of the season for Philly. They were extremely pass-happy. Uh, pass like I said, they're 2-5. and five, But the run game is basically non-existent. You had Miles Sanders, who is a really good running back, when he gets the chance, getting no touches. Remember that Monday night game against the Cowboys early on in the year? The Eagles were blown out of the water. They were blown out of that game. Miles Sanders had just two rushing attempts in the game. Not in the first half, not in the first quarter. He had two rushing attempts for the entire game against the Cowboys. Out of the first seven games of the season... Miles Sanders had uh, just single-digit rushing attempts in four out of the seven games. So more times than not, the first half of the year, Miles Sanders was not getting the ball, and when he was, it was a rare occurrence. It was extremely, extremely surprising when he would get a count or two in his hand. Really, how the run game worked in Philly the first seven games of the year was basically Nick Sirianni would call a pass play, and if it's not there, Jalen Hurts would run around and make a play with his legs. There's not many designed runs called either with a running back or with Jalen Hurts. And again, most of the offense or most of the rushing offense was on Jalen Hurts' legs making a play that was called the pass play and basically deciding to tuck in and run himself and turn into a run play. That was the extent of the Eagles' rushing attack the first seven games of the season. Now, starting since week eight against the Lions, Nick Sirianni, to his credit, has been able to adapt his style, adapt his play calling, adapt his offensive philosophy to the personnel he has. The Eagles are a running team. And since then, they have taken off. They have played really good football, and it's not a coincidence. They've ran the ball not only with, uh, with Jalen Hurts, but with their running backs. They have handed the ball off to their running backs, and it's worked wonders. The Eagles have been 5-2 since week 8 since they really rededicated themselves to the run. They're right now number one in the NFL in terms of rushing yards per game. They now have seven consecutive games, which again, starting week 8 for the Lions. So since week 8 on, every single game they have rushed for as a team for these 175 yards. Uh, that seven-game streak is the longest since the 1985 Bears did so when they averaged at least 175 yards per game. So the Eagles right now are not only having success, it's leading to wins and it's leading to more points on the board. Like I just said, they were 2-5 and five when they're passing the ball, 5-2 and two now when they're running the ball. 
When they, the first seven weeks of the season, 22.7 points per game. Since week eight, the last seven games, 29.3. So they're averaging a touchdown more per game when they've run the ball compared to when they have passed the ball. And it's a very easy split. Right? There's 14 games played. It was the first seven games passing, the last seven games running. You could see the stark contrast in the Eagles' offense. Even Jalen Hurts' passing. like the, the, the fact that now there's balance and the Eagles are running an offense that fits what they have, it's helped Jalen Hurts out. He's become a better passer, more effective, less turnovers. He has done a solid job since week eight of being a better quarterback in part because now it's not all on his shoulders. Now he's not running the ball, passing the ball, and having to make plays basically all by himself. Oh, yeah, go, by the way, going against the defense and knows the pass is coming. Right, when you hand the ball off to Miles Sanders two times in a game, it's easy for defenses to realize they're not going to hand the ball off, so we're just going to you know, play the pass every single down. It makes it harder on Jalen Hurts. So now when you have balance, now when you are playing to the strengths of your team, it puts the offense in a better position to succeed, and it makes the defense's job a lot harder. So Nick Sirianni, to his credit, his adaptability is how the Eagles have won games, and overall in general, the ability to adapt is how winning teams in the NFL, how they stay winning. You know, there's a perfect example of this. Bill Belichick. Look at what he's done with the Patriots this season. He has totally adapted, not just the way the team you know plays, but even how he gets players. I remember this offseason when they spent every dollar possible on every free agent out there. They're getting tight ends. They're getting Matthew Judon, the, the edge rusher. They're getting running backs. They're getting corners. They're getting linebackers, defensive linemen. Bill Belichick did not see a free agent out there that he did not like. Receivers, he got everyone. He basically built the entirety of the team through free agency. Why? Because he saw his draft record. He saw there was a lot more misses than hits in the draft in recent years. He had self-awareness to realize, you know what? The draft is not working for me for whatever reason the last few years. So let's just say screw the draft. Let's build a majority of this team through known commodities, through free agents that I think could plug and play and be good fits to our team. He adapted his style of picking players. And guess what? The Patriots are 9-5. and five. They're going to make the playoffs in part because of that. They're going to win the AFC East in part because now they have adapted to the way they play where they're obviously without Tom Brady. They have adapted more to a run-first style with Mac Jones under center. The run game has taken off. It's been solid. The offensive line has been better. The defense is playing really good. And that's led to success for New England where they're just, you know, coming off a seven-game winning streak. Credit to Bill Belichick for changing and adapting his the way he gets players and his offensive philosophy in terms of running the offense, becoming more of a run-first team than obviously just being guided by Tom Brady, right, for two decades. But they're not the only one. I would say the Colts. The Colts right now were uh, this year a very run-first oriented team. They are built through Jonathan Taylor and the run game and the offensive line. Whereas in years past, where it was Phillip Rivers, where there was when Andrew Luck was healthy, that was still a pass-first offense. That was still an offense that you relied more on the quarterback than anyone else to win games. Well, Frank Reich, to his credit, realized Carson Wentz still is a guy that's you know trying to come off the worst year of his career in 2020. You build his confidence back up. You have, you know, you kind of ease him in to a team by running the ball. And now they have the best running back in the NFL and an MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor. 
the Saints, too. And I know they've had Drew Brees for a while, and that helps, but even when Drew Brees got hurt, and even this year with Taysom Hill, with Trevor Simeon and Jameis Winston at quarterback, the Saints right now are 7-7, seven and seven, and I think are going to make the playoffs. But even when Drew Brees was there and got hurt, you know, like he did a few years ago, and Taysom Hill had to fill in last year, or Teddy Bridgewater filled in a few years ago, they don't miss a beat. Teddy Bridgewater was undefeated as a starter for the Saints when he was filling in for Drew Brees. Because Sean Payton would adapt the way he called plays, would adapt his offense to whatever quarterback was playing. This year, it's the same thing. He's had really three kind of different styles of quarterback, from Jameis Winston to Trevor Simeon to Taysom Hill, running the offense under center for an extended period of time. And they've still been able to win games. They've still been able, even though the offense hasn't been exactly, you know, lighting it up or sexy, they have found ways to win games. Sean Payton has adapted to the personnel he has. So again, adaptability here is a huge determining factor in if teams are able to consistently win or not, and if head coaches, if they will have success or not. Like, look at coaches who have been stubborn this year. Urban Meyer, John Gruden, Matt Nagy. What do all three have? Either they have been fired or will be fired. Look at Urban Meyer. Coming over from college, he did not adapt his coaching style from college to the NFL. So what happened? He made horrible decisions in terms of, you know, strength coaches hiring them, bad judgment. He made horrible decisions in terms of trying to connect with his players, couldn't do so. A lot of the players hated him. Made horrible, just flat-out life decisions, right? And it all equaled him getting fired after 13 games. The media hated him. His players hated him. His coaches didn't like him. There's no adaptability. He took the Ohio State, the Florida, the Utah Urban Meyer, and thought that was going to work with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It absolutely did not. Fired. John Gruden, I mean, didn't adapt his life views. You know, say what you want about his coaching. Obviously, he was fired for emails he sent and for words and beliefs that he had that don't kind of fit today's society. He's a guy that didn't adapt to his thinking, wasn't accepting. Boom, he was fired. Matt Nagy, not fired yet, but assuming he's going to be fired for the Bears, he is the guy who doesn't matter. You know, he's had kind of similar to uh, Sean Payton, multiple different styles of quarterback playing under center for the Bears. And despite that, he has not changed his offense whatsoever. He said Mitch Trubisky, a mobile quarterback who's better outside the pocket than in. He said Nick Foles, who's a statue behind uh, under center, not mobile at all. Andy Dalton, yeah, okay, still more of a pocket guy. Justin Fields, obviously, he's more athletic. And you you think moving him outside the pocket, kind of similar to Mitch Trubisky, would uh, play to his strengths. Four quarterbacks, four kind of different styles of where they play, but the same offense. Matt Nagy would not adjust his scheme, his play calling, how the offense ran to fit whatever quarterback, their strengths, what they do well. He just said, this is my offense, we're running this way. There's a reason why the Bears have been abysmal, no matter who's been under center. Think about it, you have four different quarterbacks. At one point, you got to start looking, okay, yeah, sure, the quarterbacks are not very good, but to have no success with any of them, yeah, that's on the head coach for not putting them in a position to, uh, to succeed. It's Matt Nagy's stubbornness in running the offense the way he wants it to run without adapting to the personnel he has is the reason why he is going to be getting a pink slip uh, from the Bears at the end of the season. Nick Sirianni, to his credit, halfway through the year was adaptable. He realized we are not going to be winning many more games by passing the ball. I'm going to be fired I really thought Nick Sirianni at 2-5 and five was trending towards being fired at the end of the year being a one-and-done because the offense wasn't working and he was continually just trying to fit a square peg through a round hole. 
Halfway through, he woke up and realized there's other ways to do so. Maybe it's my fault. I got to change what I'm doing here. And they started to run the ball. Seven games of at least 175 rushing yards. They're five and two. They're in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt right now because of Nick Sirianni's adaptability. He deserves a lot of credit for that. We saw that on Tuesday night. We return here on the Ryan Hickey Show. Hickey's Pickies with my guy, Dan Biancali. Very excited. Hawaii's own, making a rare uh, occurrence to the East Coast, so we got to get him on the show. He will join us in a few minutes here when the Ryan Hickey Show does return on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Very excited for Hickey's Pickies. You're always excited. But an extra special guest is joining us for Week 16, a man who... Rumors are saying flew all the way from Hawaii to New York just to be able to be on the show and be awake by the time this show is live. And that is a big-time fan of the show. We always appreciate his support. My guy, Dan Biancoli. Danny, what's up, man? Hickey, getting high-tech with this camera, all look, the audio. Look at this. We are trying to run you know, a decent operation around here. Yeah, I'm... So- little chilly i got my uh zip up i just picked up a pair of socks right here one of those nice like cotton socks you know, the ones that hug the feet yeah nice yeah yeah well this is i know you're out of your element here which is like 35 degrees here what's the well i hate to do this to myself but we're gonna ask what's the coldest it gets uh in hawaii like what, what's a really cold day when you're like oh man this is a, this is a crappy day Usually like low 70s, but we we recently had... Cold uh, front coming, bundle up. So there's like, on the big island, there's, um, you know, elevation of like 10,000 feet, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a snowstorm. So we no one lives up there, but like, I guess it was on the news and everyone was texting me like, ha, 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 you're getting snow, you're getting snow. <laughs> I'm like, it's a different island. I'm fine. I sent them pictures of me at the beach, right? Like, <laughs> so... Wow. But yeah, it's, it's nice to be home because Christmas doesn't feel like Christmas when you're surrounded by palm trees. The lights on the palm trees don't really do it for you, huh? It's nice, but it doesn't feel like Christmas. Santa in shorts, it, you don't get the same uh, the same Christmas feel? No. Br- Brutta Santa. <laughs> Brutta I like that. All right. <laughs> well, before we go any further, we got to point it out, Danny. Can you, can you tilt the head down? Can you show us true, you know, your true, look at that. He is Mr. Hawaii now. Leaves are just a normal, you know, we'll say East Coast the, haircut. Hey, you want to get the hair down? Let's let's see the hair down. Let's see the true Hawaiian Dan get the full experience here. Look at this. Wow, look at that. Wow, it's actually a lot longer than I thought. Look at this guy. Holy cow. Mahalo. <laughs> look at this. Right? Mr. I like that. Wow, that's and actually. I, I never knew I had a curl. I have curly hair. Curly? How often do you wear it down? Just when I sleep. Okay, all right. Always high and tight. Always that ponytail, high and tight. Always high and tight. (laughs) Gotta look look clean. You know, I'm on all these virtual calls now for work. It's true. You can't, you know, show work you're having too much fun, that's for sure. That's right. right. As far as they know, as far as they know, I have a a shaved head. I'm like, (laughs) 
I don't go. I don't turn to the left or the right on all my virtual calls. <laughs> Having a miserable time in Hawaii. This is definitely, you know, not a. Uh, yeah, exactly. Haven't embraced <laughs> the culture before. You're you're a funny guy, Danny. Before we get to the picks, I will ask very quickly here. You're a big okay. time Vikings fan. Yeah. Three games left. They're right on the cusp. I think actually they're currently right now the seventh and final playoff spot uh, in the NFL. What is your confidence that we'll you will be watching some meaningful January football? Led by Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. Zero. Like, <laughs> zero, and I hope they don't because yeah. I really don't. This this team, it's one of those things where you, they get in the playoffs, like they're going to get embarrassed somewhere along the road, and we're just going to be left disappointed again. And so I'd rather the, uh, the quick death, if you will. Like my fantasy team, honestly. My fantasy team this year is the same way. Like I got into the playoffs, and I got – swept off the floor by by my first round opponent so no the vikings don't deserve it they win all the games they don't deserve to win and they lose all the games they should that win they do, that they should win. it's like i don't know and and i'm i've been a zimmer guy right like a, he's a, from what i think like a pretty successful coach when you look at what coaches could be right but i think it's time to move on like i think he's expired there I would agree. I think it's, and if yeah. you can move on from Kirk Cousins, I know it's kind of tough because who are you going to kind of trade him to? If you're able to get rid of him, I'm with you, Danny. I think you should uh, move on because the roster's good. You got good receivers, good running backs. It's really kind of just, you know, right. Back hey, in a... You should hear Larry, my dad. He's, uh, <laughs> he hates Kirk so much. He wants, he's like, why aren't they playing that guy they drafted, that quarterback? Why are they getting them snaps? Kellen like, Mond, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man so monday night must have been an adventure ugly no. ugly offensive performance you win the game but oh god oh it, it was like and then they even let up they almost lost the uh seven point spread right like that's true you got bailed out <laughs> it's crazy they just like they crumble but yeah anyway anyway man vikings like if danny i'm sorry man that is and then you also at least to mike zimmer at least he's winning off the field at least he's winning somewhere. He is certainly winning <laughs> off the field. I really didn't like that's something that I wonder what the banter's like, you know, in the locker room with the players to the coach. It's gotta you be. Gotta, I mean, you talk about a dynamic that's You gotta wonder. And like it's strange because he seems like like such a old school guy, right? He like lost his wife, he's a widow, right? And then he's like Eh, whatever, like, let's... <laughs> date supermodel, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah, what those conversations are like at home. Like, I can't really see... I don't hey. picture him as, like, a non-football guy. Like, I don't really see him watching the news or anything. Can I Can I uh, do an impression? Sure. Of, of their conversations at night? Let's hear it. Mike Zimmer and his uh, supermodel girlfriend. Let's hear it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> This is their conversation. They don't talk about anything. <laughs> they just sit there and stare. He's probably exactly. staring at the wall after another close game, after Dead another air. bad Kirk Cousins uh, game, and she just, okay, stay, yeah, yeah, steer yeah. clear. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, at least, you know, at least Max has got something going for him this year. That is that is for sure. Well, yeah. Danny, if the Vikings can win, maybe at least we'll get you some good picks. How about that? No one has gone 5-0 and this season in Hickey's Pickies. Are you ready to be the first? I'm ready, baby. Let's go. Season, I can claim the title and never look back. That's that is very true. 
Take the As, money and run, even though there's no no cash prize. What, what did I go last time? I think I went like two and four last time. Um, let's pull it up. The standings from last year. I do have to find action. My apologies. I do not I, have it up. I think I was two and four. But I think you're right. That sounds that sounds very familiar. So big turnover. We'll go over five hundred this year. How about that? At least. All right. Five and zero. Five and zero. Five and zero. So that starts with the first game that we're picking, Danny. Browns at Packers. The Browns should be getting a little healthier. Looks like they'll have at least their head coach back in Kevin Stefanski. Saturday game, a little Christmas um, doubleheader. The Browns on the road are getting seven and a half points. I know you hate the Packers, Danny. Are you going to pick them here, or are the Browns going to keep it close? Well, I think you said it. I despise the Packers. I hate Aaron Rodgers. I you guys have the same hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you remember, they, they the Packers ruined my family trip with uh, with my dad. Me and we went out to Minnesota to watch Brett Favre in 2010. They played the Packers. It was like a 38 to three game, and all all I all I remember is <laughs> all I remember is looking around me in the Metrodome and hearing "Go Pack, go. go!" And I swear it's like I'm traumatized by that. So I hate the Packers so much, and they will win by a million this week. They will win because they're just gonna not let me have any joy in this Christmas season coming up on like the 10th anniversary of that game i think wow yeah. that i actually totally forgot about that game my goodness and and there's like that vikings tie where stefanski was the oc and i don't know i mean i mean i just think even though they're getting all their players back like the narrative is like oh they're on the men they're on the men but better teams the packers they're probably just going to crush them so packers at home you're going to lay the seven and a half points take the the hated rival yes I respect you putting your hatred aside for the sanctity of the picks and, and really trying to do your best to go 5-0 and no matter what. <laughs> I'm with you, Danny. This is, even though they're getting healthier, like Baker Mayfield's still hurt. He's still not really playing that well. It's a it's a tough spot going on Lambeau Field. I think the Packers right now are playing some good football. They're motivated to try to get that one seat. So I think they'll, you know, there's no reason to let up, even though they just clinched the division last week. And they will keep on pushing. I'm with you on the Packers, <laughs> minus 7.5 at Lambeau. We will not say go back go, though, here on this show. So, uh, Christmas night doubleheader, the second game here. This one goes close to home. My Colts going to the desert, taking on the Cardinals. Colts right now, one-point underdogs against a reeling Cardinals team, coming off a blowout loss to the Lions. Do the Cardinals bounce back here, Danny, or do the Colts keep rolling? So, I haven't, I got to be honest, I haven't watched one single second of Colts football this year. But what? And and that's that's not because I don't I'm not rooting for them. They just like haven't appeared on my screen. But from what I hear, they remind me a lot of the team, the Vikings team that when AP rushed for like 2000 yards and they were just like run heavy in a pass dominant league, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks like just doing enough to get by, but not great. So, and I think didn't you predict them to go and win first place this year on the uh on the Zach Gelb show? I did, and I got a lot of flack for that. So, much like Rico's Riders at Barstool, I'm a Hickey rider. That's I'm right. I'm going with Hickey. I think the Colts pull through based on nothing at all, but <laughs> based on the fact that I believe in Hick. I love that. Now, I will say, I agree with you here. My picks 
just full disclosure, Danny had been horrible this season. So the fact that we're both on the Packers minus seven and a half guaranteed Browns cover, and the fact that we're both on the Colts plus one, ugh, I don't like that as well. But I will. I'm with you. I think the Colts right now are hot. They're rolling. Actually, weirdly, but even before the Patriots game was played last week, I felt better with these two games being back to back about the Colts beating the Cardinals on the road than I did about the Colts beating the Patriots at home. They won the Patriots game last week. They're able to win um, despite Carson Wentz really basically not even, you know, showing up or even, you know, needs to be relied upon and still almost losing the game. Jonathan Taylor right now is just at this point too good to where no one could tackle him, even if you know what's coming. I think that's going to continue. Cardinals right now in a downslide. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the king of second half collapses. I think that continues. The Colts go on the road and win and beat the Cardinals to keep on rolling. Oh, boy. Don't like that. We're, we're both on that. I'm a Hickey rider. I love that. I'm uh, Danny, I will try. <laughs> I do got to bring the run the damn ball hat out. You do. I, I appreciate the, uh, the Ryan Hickey show, uh, I guess, fake account that was uh, tweeting some pictures of that. That's... This is this is the author right here. This is the face know, behind it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. That was just made up. <laughs> it's a ghost account that no one no one runs for sure. <laughs> a big AFC North battle here, Danny. Ravens at the Bengals. We don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to play or not. It could be Tyler Huntley, who played well last week against the Packers, albeit in a loss, but played really well. Ravens on the road are getting two and a half points here. Where are you going in this one? Well, I think it does change the fact if Lamar plays, right? But Hundley did look really good. Um, I just think, so I mentioned my fantasy team last week. Um, Jamar Chase got me one catch for three yards. Oof. So that's a PPR of 1.3 points. And uh, based off the fact that I got eliminated and don't need him to do anything now, <laughs> he, he's probably going to go off for like, 10 and two touchdowns and like 185 yards. So this is the Jamar Chase revenge game against me. <laughs> so I'm going, I'm going Bengals. <laughs> You're going Bengals minus two and a half because only because Jamar Chase is going to spite you yes. after doing nothing when you needed them last week. I'm with you. Uh, not, not because yeah, Jamar <laughs> Jamar Chase is going to say, screw Danny. I Last week, I tanked it. This week, uh, he gets the bounce back. I will say that. I think last week, I did. it was an ugly game against the Broncos, a physical game. But I think it's important to win games like that when you're a young team, when you're developing. You don't got to win sex every single week. And honestly, when you can win games that you, you know, when you don't play your best game, I think that do, does show the mark of a good team. Not to mention, too, the Bengals are healthier. Like, right, we don't know if Lamar is going to play. Probably won't play if I had to guess right now. But the secondary is decimated. Obviously, the running backs have been decimated since week one. The Baltimore Ravens have done a good job up to this point, right, of still winning games despite the fact that a lot of their big-time players are injured. I think that when a game like this where the Bengals are healthy at home, that that will kind of – all the injuries will come back to kind of bite the Ravens, and that does lead to a loss here. So I am with you. The Bengals minus 2.5 at home. We agree on all three so far, which is a really, really bad sign for you. Let's see about game number four. Bills and Patriots, a big AFC East battle. New England at home, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bills. Danny, can Josh Allen lead Buffalo to a victory, or will Bill Belichick continue to reign supreme in the AFC East? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to overthink this one. I think it just comes 
down with the fact that does Belichick lose these type of games, right? Division's on the line pretty much. His team's going to be prepared. They know what's at stake. I, I don't think Belichick in general loses these types of games. Maybe Buffalo's the better team overall, more talent, but I think the Pats pull through at home. We are four for four. Oh, no. Come on. I am with you as well. I think the Patriots, this is a game that they win. To your point, they had a bye two weeks ago. Coming off the bye, they played a massive Colts game, and they lost. And they played pretty sloppily. Some bad penalties. Some, you know, they, they usually the Patriots always take away what you do well. Look, Jonathan Taylor had himself a day. There was It was very un-Patriots-like that performance on Saturday. I think Bill Belichick will have him ready to play. They get an extra day where they played Saturday last week. Now you play Sunday this week. I think they will come out focused, ready to play. And the Bills are just too reliant on Josh Allen. The defense is not very good against good teams. The run game is non-existent. When you are that one-dimensional, going against a Bill Belichick team, good luck. Especially at home in Foxborough. I'm with you. The Patriots, this is a game that they win. Belichick have his guys ready to play, and they do win the division. Um, even though it's unofficial, but they will win the division by sweeping the Bills and winning at home on Sunday. Four hey, for four. Yes. Yes, Daniel. Have, have we had a snow game in the NFL this year? Have we had a snow game? I don't I think like so. This, this might be a contender. I don't know the forecast, but you think of Bills, Patriots in December, New England. You gotta love a snow game. And usually, for whatever reason, I don't know if Bill Belichick made a deal with the devil. Usually, when you kind of go against teams that need to pass the ball in December in Foxborough, magically all of a sudden there's some inclement weather that really does limit uh, the passing attack of the opposing team. Just one of those weird coincidences that feels like happens all too often uh, in New England. That's Bill, baby. That is that is Bill. That is absolutely Bill. Danny will go the fifth and final game here with a team that is close to both of our hearts, sort of, and that's because we have a good friend, Natalia Kolakowski, who's a big-time Dolphins fan. The Finns are hot. The winners are six in a row. They're back to 7-7, seven and seven, taking on another 7-7 seven and seven team in the Saints. Dolphins-Saints, Monday Night Football. A big one here. Dolphins on the road are getting three points. Where are you going? I mean, come on, Hick. You think I'm not... Picking against Tua, you think I'm wow. picking against Tua and trying to trying to go back to Hawaii with some with some pride? That's they true. Were, he is your your fellow brethren. They, they're gonna so when you go when you arrive in Hawaii now they ask for your proof of vaccination or negative COVID test, mm-hmm. right? So when I get there they're gonna say, okay, proof of vaccination, negative COVID test. Did you bet against Tua? <laughs> so I'm going to the Dolphins are hot. I mean, underwhelming win last week. I think we all watched it with with Kroll. That wasn't ideal, but good teams find a way to win, right? Um, inside game, two is a big inside guy, isn't he? And then two is a big. Some, I think doesn't he have some history at the uh, Superdome? The Dolphins? That I do not know. Do they? No, the Tua in those in those SEC games, or is that the Georgia Dome? The Georgia Dome in in Atlanta. Same thing. It's the dome. Their he likes the dome. States are next to each other. Right. He's in a dome. He's in a dome. He's back under a roof. Right. Short sleeves, sunny weather. <laughs> I'm going Tua and the Dolphins. Please don't tell me you picked the Dolphins. Five for five. <laughs> five for five. The Finns are hot. The defense is playing well. Tua is a good quarterback. We are both, I guess, part of the Tuanon now, where we are trying to defend Tua, trying to, you know, Tuanon. <laughs> it's catching on. And 2.2, it's like, all right, you look at the quarterbacks. 
you know, say what you want about Tua, but also Taysom Hill, like, oh, God. Taysom Hill is not a very good quarterback. He is so tough on the eyes. That Dolphins defense, he's horrible. He's absolutely horrible. He's not from Hawaii, so he doesn't have that going for him. He can't really throw the ball. The Dolphins defense is, is playing a lot better. I will go the Dolphins. Like I said, good climate. It's going to be the perfect climate for him. Sure, it's going to be hostile. Two is going to be all right. And the Dolphins will win seven games in a row and move to eight and seven uh, on the season. Just improbable after what we kind of saw them early in the year. They just were horrendous. So the, the jinx is on, Danny. The kiss of death. You, fins up. Fins up. Fin, fins up. You, you want to go 5-0? and oh, Well, it could be 0-5 oh here after we agree on all five. Yeah, both of us. We on might the, get it together. That's true. Now, I will say, I, I'm, not one, I'm not one to brag a lot here, Danny. I will mention very quickly, I did go 5-0 oh one week this year. Now, obviously, you look at the full season record, it's, I'm like 31-29. and 29, But did go 5-0 oh one week. So, hey, it is possible. It absolutely is possible. It is possible. Fingers we're crossed. Yes, Hickey we're we're Rider, riding the together. The hats in the mail, Hickey Rider. I love it. I will. We will have to get two of them for for me and you after we go five and zero oh this week. All right, Danny. This is where the the moves are truly made. Forget about five and zero. Oh. Let's go seven and zero. Oh. Upset special time. You get one point if you pick an underdog with a spread of five or more. They cover two if they win outright. So let's go to 7-0. and oh. Danny, who's your upset special of the week here? I can't believe I'm doing this. Oh. I'm going the Lions. The Lions! The Lions. The <laughs> Lions. A couple, couple of reasons. Um, obviously, belief in themselves, right? They just came off. They've actually beaten two pretty good teams this year. In yeah. The Vikings and the Cardinals. Well, <laughs> yeah. <the Vikings>. <laughs> talented, <laughs> talented team. They beat oh. two talented teams, right? Um, I like the coach. The coach is like a psychopath. He's like crying. He's freaking out in the press conferences. I like that. I like I like the psycho factor. Um, and I also think the Falcons are complete frauds. Complete frauds. And Mike Davis also wronged me this year in fantasy, so he's on the S list. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know. I just... I see, what is it, six points, I think, they're getting? Uh, believe, I, well, one side, I got to double check on, on Caesars. It's at least the odds that we were using. But I saw five and a half. Five and a half or six. Either way, you're right, you're right around there. Six six or five and a half. I mean, I think they probably still lose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, within that, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the momentum. Lions going for two wins in a row. Or at least maybe keep it close. Like I said, five, five and a half, six points against the Falcons on the road. I like it. I will go with a team that I'm not feeling feeling great about, but I'll go the Washington football team. They're getting a little bit healthier. Taylor Heineke, you know, kind of uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick clone, back off the COVID list. They're taking on the Cowboys in Dallas, Sunday Night Football. It's an 11-point spread. Kind of high for a division game. I'm still uh, – I will kind of roll roll here with the football team. Then I get a big-time upset. At least keep it close. 11 points, just don't get blown out. Maybe they could pull one, you know, pull a rabbit out of their hat like they kind of did the first time these two teams played where they came back and kept it close. The football team plus 11 points at Dallas. So we both agree, Danny. What'd you say? I said I like that pick. Let's go. I get the Danny B seal of approval, which is good because we have the Danny B seal of approval on every single pick. Both of us on the Packers minus seven and a half. Both of us on the Colts plus one. 
both on the Bengals, minus 2.5, both on the Patriots, minus 2.5, both on the Dolphins, plus 3. Danny B, Hawaii's own, the Ryder. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, Ryder. Always, man. Thanks for having me on. Danny B, we appreciate him hopping on here. And look at that, Mahalam. This is the guy, 5-0. and Here it comes. We'll return right here on the Ryan Hickey Show in a few minutes. We'll chat about uh, the Buccaneers. Almost forgot what we're talking about. They have a ton of injuries. Are you believing in them? Or are you, are you starting to get concerned with the amount of injuries that have been piling up for Tampa? We will discuss that when the Ryan Hickey Show returns right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. A very early Merry Christmas. Few more days away here. We always love, at least for me, Christmas is always my favorite time of the year best holiday out there for sure so a very early merry christmas the 10 o'clock hour as always is sponsored by lc design charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions so make sure your guests are happily fed especially now on the holidays with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing charcuterie boards made by lauren clark so make sure you check out lc designs nyc.com lc designs nyc.com for more information We'll preview the Thursday night game, the final Thursday night game of the season, 49ers-Titans in a little bit. We'll tell you why that game is extremely important for Tennessee in a little bit. But before that, I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you concerned about the Buccaneers now going forward because of all the injuries? They've, they've been totally ravaged by injuries. We saw it kind of happen and unfold in real time on Sunday night where they had a, a lot of Big time and marquee players go down and not be able to return. Are you concerned by that? Or not? For me, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I still think the Buccaneers are legitimate Super Bowl contenders and still have as good a shot as almost anyone to make a run to the Super Bowl. And I'm still feeling confident for two reasons. Tom Brady still has time to gel with his new players. And for the most part, most of the injuries sustained, the players should return come postseason time. We kind of talked about it, right? Sunday was... Almost the worst case scenario for the Buccaneers because it's almost worse off the field compared to on the field. They lost 9 nothing to the Saints on Sunday Night Football. Because off the field, like I said, right, they suffered a ton of injuries. Chris Godwin, unfortunately, tore his ACL, he found out, out for the rest of the year. Leonard Fournette, he just landed on IR after a hamstring injury forced his exit in the second half of that game. Mike Evans also suffered a hamstring injury, expected to be less severe than Leonard Fournette's, but we still don't really know if he's going to play this week, how limited he's going to be going forward, if he'll ever be able to get to full health come playoff time. Even when their linebackers, Lamonte David, left the game late in the fourth quarter on Sunday night with a foot injury, he also could go on IR. About a four-week injury, give or take, is what's being projected for Levante David and his foot injury. So, two receivers, one out for the year, one injured, your top running back and Leonard Fournette on IR will miss the next three games. That's a lot of new players now to shuffle into the lineup. But with that said, the timing, right? Timing kind of everything. Timing-wise, there's still enough time for Tom Brady, 
for Byron Leftwich, I think, to figure out how to run this offense to get it humming by the time the postseason comes around. Right? There's three games left. So that, to me, is still enough time to kind of tinker with what's going to work, what's not going to work, who's going to play where, which guy will, you know, can be relied upon, which can't. I do think that three games, even though the opponents aren't really great in the Panthers twice and the Jets, I think that's enough time to get the offense in some sort of rhythm so they'll be able to make up for the loss of Chris Godwin. Now, it helps that Antonio Brown, say what you want about his off the field, his on the field, Tom Brady likes him. Antonio Brown will return from a suspension uh, after having a fake vax card. It looks like he will play this week. So his return to the lineup will help offset the Chris Godwin injury. And still, Rob Gronkowski's healthy. So two of his bigger um, targets that Brady relies upon should be out on the field on Sunday. And as we know, Tom Brady's offense is a timing and trust offense, right? He's not someone that's going to kill you with his arm 50 yards on the field. He's not someone that's a, you know, a, a, an offense where it's just like you, you see it and you throw it or, or you rely on athleticism to make plays. The offense for the Buccaneers, and specifically the offense that Tom Brady's most comfortable in, is reading the defense. This guy is here. You got to be here, and I'm going to throw it right at this time. Boom. Three steps, balls out. Five steps, boom, balls out. This guy's blitzing, so I'm going to get it to you. You better, you better be at the spot when I expect it, or you know, you're going to screw it up. It's a, it's a really time-based offense. It's a trust-based offense because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reads that aren't communicated. We look at the, the defensive back if he's playing, let's say, outside of the receiver world. Then Tom Brady and the receiver both are. I'm going to run inside. There's not really anything said. It's just both kind of inherent trust. This is what I see. You better see the same thing because I'm throwing the ball here. And if you don't see the same thing. I'm going to throw the ball here, and it's going to either be picked or incomplete, but it's going to be your fault. So you got to really, it's not just about lining anyone up anywhere anytime they run the route. You really got to earn Tom Brady's trust in this offense, which is why the injuries to the receivers are intriguing in terms of, you know, the impact. Because, again, not only are they talented, right? Chris Goblin's a really good receiver. Mike Evans is a really good receiver. But it's also the fact that they have been able to build continuity with Tom Brady, where the new guys, like let's say Scotty Miller, filling in for a receiver, Ronald Jones at running back, like they're going to now have to contribute in big time ways and do so quickly. But I do think three games is enough time to get Scotty Miller on the same page with Tom Brady, to get Ronald Jones on the same page with Tom Brady, to where if they have to be relied upon come postseason time, where if Leonard Fournette's slow to heal or Mike Evans' hamstring is still kind of bothering him and he's not as effective as it was all season long, I do think three games is enough to get some of these new guys acclimated into the offense and have them feeling comfortable and gaining Tom Brady's trust to where if he has to rely on them in the postseason, he'll be able to do so. So this offense, I still think, even though injuries have kind of ravaged the offense of late, I think they'll be functioning still at a high level come postseason time, even though they'll be without, you know, Chris Goblin, and we'll see how limited Mike Evans is come postseason time. So that's part of one of the reasons why I'm still not concerned. I do expect this offense will be able to figure it out come um, come playoff time and be okay these next three games. It's going to be kind of a testing ground these next three games. But also, I will say, the other reason why I'm not concerned is a lot of the guys should be back. Assuming everything goes well, there won't be, you know, there will be a lot of key players returning to the field at the perfect time, right? Like we just mentioned, Life France going in IR. He's supposed to miss three games, which is the final three games of the regular season. By all reports and indications, he still should be healthy and ready to go come postseason time. As we know, 
right? We call him playoff Lenny for a reason. He was tremendous in the postseason last year. The, the Buccaneers offense really relied on him. It was in the run game or the pass game. He had a tremendous postseason. I, I would expect that to happen again this year, especially now with the loss of Chris Godwin. So you think you make up for that maybe in the run game a little bit more. So you're going to have Leonard Fournette, who's a very trustworthy guy for Tom Brady in that offense, who's able to catch the ball out of the backfield and run the ball really well. I do think his return is going to be massive for the Bucs in the postseason. And Mike Evans' hamstring injury is not considered serious. We don't know if he'll play this week. We don't know, again, how limited he'll be if this is going to be an issue to watch the rest of the season. But if he's out there and healthy and functioning, that's a big target, a big body to rely on, who's going to be a nightmare for any team to cover. Whether it's the Packers, whether it's the Cardinals, whether it's the Rams, that's going to be a headache trying to slow down Mike Williams. Or Mike, Mike Williams, Mike Evans. Lamonte David, the great linebacker, should return as well. So you're going to get healthier now for the Bucs at the perfect time come postseason time. That's huge. These guys are vets. So you don't really need a ton of time. You know, missing three games, I don't think is going to be the biggest deal in the world when it comes to kind of knocking the rust off and getting ready to play. I think they will, they're a team that's getting healthier at the right time. It's where you look at the Cardinals, where they just lose, you know, DeAndre Hopkins for the rest of the regular season, maybe the rest of the season. There's some hope that maybe he could return for the NFC Championship game if they make it or the Super Bowl, but that's a big-time weapon for Kyler Murray now, out for at least most of the rest of the year, if not the entirety of the season. So as the Buccaneers, even though they've, you know, outside of Chris Goblin, have lost a few players in the you know immediate future, they should be healthier come postseason time. And again, outside of Chris Goblin, should be almost at full strength going into the playoffs, which is a rarity for you know, teams in the NFL. We saw it last year with Tampa as well. They were healthy. Part of the reason why they were able to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs were not healthy on the, on the offensive line. They were ravaged by that you know, front four of Tampa Bay. And that was a game changer. If you're the Bucs now and you are going to get healthy by the time the postseason comes around, it's hard to bet against them. It's absolutely hard to bet against them. So as other teams start to get banged up and other teams start to you know, lose players to injuries. The fact that the Bucs are still going to be getting healthy by the time the postseason comes uh, comes around does have me believing in Tampa. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. What's your concern level with the Buccaneers? They are banged up. Kind of in the wrong time. And December is the wrong time to get injured. Some of those players, most of those players should be back by postseason time. Are you still concerned? Are the injuries for you at receiver and running back and the defense, is that enough to kind of write the bucks off in your mind in terms of being Super Bowl contenders? Or are you still believing in Brady, believing in the Bucks? Again, Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSR Run underscore radio at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. We get your thoughts. And we do return, like I said, the last Thursday night game of the season. It's uber important for the Tennessee Titans. We'll explain that when we do return. It's the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. There we go. Welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Rolling until the top of the hour, 11 a.m. Eastern. Santa is coming to town. Hopefully you are on the nice list and not the naughty list. No one wants to call in their stocking, that is for sure. Fingers crossed. 
Santa coming down the chimney on Saturday morning will bring some gifts and maybe a cold win. Maybe. I don't know if he can control that. I don't know if he just does toys. Maybe he can't. I don't know if he can control the outcome of games. But Santa, if you're listening, I don't want any toys. I'll take a Colts win on Sunday, uh, on Saturday night. That is for sure. That's how to make my Christmas uh, one to remember. Speaking, though, of at least having a good Christmas, right? Even if you're not playing on Christmas, you want to still have some good vibes going into the weekend. Week 16 does kick off tonight. 49ers and Titans. Final Thursday night game of the season. And even though I think the Titans, no matter what tonight happens, whether they win or lose, I think the Titans are making the playoffs. They're nine and five. I do. I I think ten wins get you in the playoffs in the AFC. I do not see them going zero and three down the stretch here. So I think the the Titans are basically locks for the playoffs. I would say the 49ers are too, although it's a little easier for them to miss out on the postseason than the Titans. I think this is a must-win game for Tennessee tonight, and it's like I just said. Even though I think they're getting the playoffs no matter what, this is a game to keep a stranglehold on the division. The Titans right now are, are slipping. They are playing some bad, bad, bad football. And if you lose this game at home to the 49ers, who right now are red hot, your division lead starts to really, really slip away. They've beaten the Colts twice this year. So the Colts have to have a better record. So the Colts basically got to go 3-0. The Colts right now are 8-6. The Titans are 9-5. The Colts got to go 3-0 if they want to win the division and hope the Titans go 1-2. Well, this is a game where you lose this one. I think you really start to get nervous about the division. And now, if you're Tennessee, even if Derrick Henry is supposed to return for the postseason, which we'll see. That's what the rumor is. We're three weeks away. We'll see if that's actually the case. I'm not really sure. And if he does return, I'm not sold that he will be MVP Derrick Henry right away to where he'll be able to kind of carry this offense and be a saving grace that's desperately needed him uh, since he got hurt. But now, your path to a Super Bowl gets even harder, even more difficult if you have to start on the road. If you don't get a home playoff game like you would if you win the division. This Titans team, they desperately need a win tonight against the 49ers to keep a stranglehold on the division and not allow that to slip going forward. Because the biggest culprit right now, the biggest thing they got to clean up is turnovers. They've been an absolute killer for the Titans. Obviously, Derrick Henry being out hurts immensely. I'm going to tell you that. He is the team. He is the offense. The MVP of the Titans, they go as Derrick Henry goes. And as we've seen, even though they won the first two games without him, right against the Rams and against the Saints, they had just been a dumpster fire since losing to the Texans at one point this year. Losing uh, last week the way they did to the Steelers, which is just an awful, awful game. So not only to lose, to watch. For any fans, if you're a Titans fan, if you're a Steelers fan, if you're just a sicko NFL fan, now watch that. Oh, God, my goodness, that was ugly to watch. But the biggest reason why the, the Titans have been losing games recently is turnovers. They have 25 total turnovers this season, second most in the NFL. I'm going to go on a limb. That's not exactly a winning formula. That's not exactly conducive to winning football games. And killer uh, turnovers were a killer on Sunday. They had four turnovers against the Steelers. The Steelers' offense, think about this, right? The Steelers' offense on Sunday against the Titans was limited to 168 yards of total offense. That's it. Not passing offense, not rushing offense. The Steelers' offense on Sunday totaled 168 yards. The Titans held the ball for almost 
40 minutes in that game, and they ran the ball for over 200 yards. So even though there's no Derrick Henry, they ran the ball for 200. They held the ball for two uh, for two out of two thirds. Holy cow! My apologies. They held the ball for two thirds of the game, had it in their possession, and they held the Steelers' offense to less than 200 total yards, and they lost the game because of turnovers. Four turnovers versus the Steelers. One fum, uh, one pick, three fumbles. You can't have that happen. You can't expect to turn the ball over four times, even though you play well the rest of the game and still win the game. They've had 13 turnovers the last three games. They've just been giving it away like Oprah Winfrey, giving away free cars at a show. You get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, except it's you get a pick, and you get a fumble, and here's a turnover, and here's one in our own end. Titans have been giving it away like candy. And Ryan Tannehill tied for first in the NFL with 14 picks. We have seen Ryan Tannehill be the or the true Ryan Tannehill emerge here, which is what? He is not a good quarterback when he doesn't have an all-pro running back carrying the offense for most of the game like Derrick Henry has the last three years. He has been the MVP Derrick Henry has of the team for, the, for a reason, because Ryan Tannehill cannot lead this team to victory. When you make him throw and throw a ton, you see he is exposed and he cannot uh, be a quarterback that can be relied upon. So this game is important for the Titans, not only just to win it, because again, the division is starting to slip, but also because you need to right now cut down on turnovers. If this trend continues into the postseason, I don't care if Derrick Henry's back at 100% and all of a sudden is the guy that we saw rushing for 2,000 yards last year. They're not winning a playoff game if you're turning the ball over three or four times a game. You're not doing it. You're playing against playoff caliber teams. They're going to take advantage every time. The margin of error is so razor thin in the postseason that even some minuscule as one turnover could be the difference, let alone three or four like the Titans have been doing in recent stretches. So I think the 49ers do win this game. I like their rushing attack. I like the way they've been running the football recently in their win streak. And I don't trust right now Tennessee. I don't trust their offense. I don't trust their ability to hold on to the football. That defense for, for San Francisco is really starting now to get after the quarterback and is playing well. This team is kind of like the 49ers are kind of like the AFC or the NFC equivalent of the Colts. Both teams really got off to slow starts. The talent was there, though. right? The, the Colts team, it's not like it was people were, I don't say sleeping on them, but people thought you know the Colts were going to be an okay team this year. So I think the 49ers, I picked the 49ers to, to, win the, uh, to make the playoffs. I picked the Colts to win the division. And right now, both teams got off to very slow starts and are now heating up at the right time. Really getting hot. I think that's why it's going to carry San Fran to victory tonight. Even though it's on the road, short week, it's really tough these Thursday night games for road teams. I think the 49ers get a big-time win on the road in Tennessee and keep the Titans flailing. flailing. Speaking of other divisional um, games, I was saying just before, I think the Titans really need this victory to kind of keep a stronghold on the division. I think two divisions are going to be won this weekend. I think the AFC East will be decided and the AFC North. Even though technically, no team in either of those divisions, right, the Patriots or, or the Bills, or in the AFC North, the Ravens or the Bengals, can clinch. So I'm not telling you it's a win and it's, it's like literally they clinch. But I'm telling you right now, I think right now the winner of the Bills-Patriots game is winning the AFC East, and I think the winner of the Ravens-Bengals game is winning the AFC North. I think the Patriots are going to beat the Bills. 
I think the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens. The Patriots right now are just playing some really good football, and the Bills are not. I don't trust a one-dimensional team in the Buffalo, which is only Josh Allen. They need Josh Allen to play really well because the defense is not getting many stops. The run game is non-existent. So you need Josh Allen to play as, as great as Josh Allen could possibly play in order for them to win. I don't trust that that's the only way, you know, that's the only path for victory for Buffalo when you're going against a Bill Belichick-led team that, as we know for the most part, loves taking away what you do well. One of the best things the, the Patriots defense does is their pass secondary. They are very stringent. They do not allow, you know, a big-time uh, passing game to up. They usually limit other uh, opposing quarterbacks. Right now, Josh Allen is going to have to pass the ball in order to win this game because, again, there's no run game to rely on for Buffalo. You're missing now your second-leading receiver in terms of receptions and yards in Cole Beasley. That's, to me, a big loss for Buffalo in this game. He's on the COVID list. So now you're really asking Josh Allen to basically play the perfect game against one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. I think the Patriots do get this win at home. They beat the Bills for the second time in a few weeks and do win the AFC East because of this victory. Crazy. Never would have thought that. Never thought that'd even be a discussion, to be honest, that the Patriots would be winning the AFC East, but time is a flat circle, I guess. Here we are, one year off of winning the division last year, and now the Patriots are right back at the top. Unreal. Unreal. And in the AFC North, I think the Bengals win. I think they're the healthier team right now, which is going to be the biggest factor in this game. The Ravens, it appears will be without Lamar Jackson for the second straight game. Now, Tyler Huntley, in his absence, in Lamar's absence, played really well last week. Four total touchdowns, almost 300 total yards, right? They were a two-point conversion away from taking the lead with less than a minute to go uh, at, against Green Bay. So he played really well. Do I think he's going to play up to that level again two weeks in a row? I do not, although I don't think he's going to be horrible, Tyler Huntley. But I think for me, the biggest thing is the Ravens have been banged up all season long. They have been persevering and been resilient despite the fact their secondary is completely wiped away with injuries. Their running back room is, is totally decimated, right? They had to sign guys off the street, basically, in order to uh, just take some carries for them. Uh, offensive line has been banged up. All, you know, all throughout the team, all different areas, they've been banged up. And to their credit, they have won games and won a lot more than maybe I expected with how injury-prone they've been so far this season. But I do think all those injuries eventually catch up to you. I think this is a game where they catch up. Because you look at the, on the other side, the Bengals are a prolific offense, right, who could pass the ball really well. Joe Burrow's playing well this season. They have Jamar Chase. You have T. Higgins. You have Tyler Boyd. You have C.J. Uzama. You have some really good weapons that can exploit a banged-up secondary where now you have backups in for backups for Baltimore. That's not a good recipe for success. So I think Cincinnati, because they're the healthier team right now, I think does get the win. And also... I do think the way Cincinnati won last week is impressive, and I do think you can take that with you and carry it forward. They beat the Broncos last week 15-10. Joe Burrow did not play well by any aspect. Uh, the run game led by Joe Mixon did not, you know, was not effective at all. It was a very, I guess, disappointing, as is a word we can use here, offensive output. Right? It was just one of those where the offense was not clicking in any sort of way. They still found, though, a way to win the game. I get Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, and Drew Locke came in, and Drew Locke is not a very good quarterback. But you're on the road, and it's a very physical and tough Broncos team. That has a winning record. They're 7-6, and six, so they're right there on the, you know, on the playoff edge. They're playing hard. They're playing with something 
um, you know, that means something. And you were still able to win ugly. This is a very young team, right? Joe Burrow's in year two. A lot of these receivers are still young and up and coming. A lot of the core players on this Bengals team has either is either young or hasn't really won too much before. So you to be able to win ugly, to be able to win when you have your C game, I think is a really important step forward into the Bengals kind of coming into their own and being a legitimate playoff contender. That's a big step to take. When you can win a game when you when you got your C game on the road. It's hard to win in the NFL, let alone hard when you're not playing your best. I think that's a win where you, know, you could take out of it, you could feel confident that, okay, the Bengals are finding out how to win. This is a team that can win in multiple different ways. I think that's a, a, a team I think that's going to win on Sunday against the Bengals, uh, against the Ravens, sweep the season series, and win the AFC North. So I think that right now the Bengals make their road to division champs on Sunday. Same thing with the Patriots. Patriots win, Bengals win. Be a great, great weekend of football for sure. Very excited. Gets again started tonight. 49ers and Titans. 49ers, I think, do win this, let's say, 27-17. That is my prediction for tonight's game. And that'll do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. Really appreciate my guy, Dan Bianconi, coming on the show. Hawaii's very own. Coming on, giving us his picks. We agree on all five. We'll put those out on social media in a little bit. I'm sorry to Danny. That is just the kiss of death there. Um, agreeing with all five of my picks. Brutal. So my apologies to him. Hopefully, maybe we'll go 5-0. Fingers crossed. Crazy things have happened. Have a great weekend. And obviously, look, an early Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. It's always, always such a, a great time of the year. So whether you're Catholic or not or celebrate Christmas or not, have a great weekend. Enjoy Christmas time. Hopefully, Santa's good to you and you're on the nice list. And he brings you some nice uh, gifts this weekend. Enjoy the games. We, 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 excuse me. We will be back on Monday to break it all down. So have a great weekend. Stay safe. As always, stay safe. Happy holidays. And we'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.